and you can. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, believing is critical, not only for salvation, but believing is critical as we journey through life, still trusting, still believing, listening, honoring, obeying. So, if you're turning to Revelation, you're in the wrong book. The Lord has altered my course, and uh, I'm going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 15, Luke 15. As I was thinking about and starting the series on Revelation, which I will pick up again next week, uh, but it's uh, sitting there, and Judy just said something to me about preaching and what was I doing, and I said, well, I'm starting a series on Revelation. She says, uh, you remember Memorial Day? And I said, well, yeah, I do, and, but I'm going to start this series. And so I sat there a little bit, and the Lord said, no, you're not. Uh, this is where I want you. So Luke, if you would, chapter 15. Luke 15. Excuse me, Mark 15. Mark 15. Verse 22. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull, and they tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man would take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on the right and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple, rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priest also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Stop right there just for a second. If he had come down, they still would not have believed. Understand that. They would not. Not at all. They're always looking for something else from him. Those who were crucified with him were insulting him. And when the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eliah, Eliah, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see where Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Father, bless your word this morning. Open the eyes of our heart that we might see and hear. We give you praise for who you are. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh on the cross of Calvary. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thinking about Memorial Day, as we said, it's holiday. 
but it's really about those who gave their life. And when you think about someone who gave their life, it's really amazing of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. He gave himself that you and I might have life. Those who went to war gave their life that we might have a type of freedom. Jesus went to the cross, died, and rose again that we might have ultimate freedom in him. For those who know him, we do. Uh, as we consider that freedom, we must consider again and think about as we journey through this this morning, the ultimate freedom that comes to man once he comes to Christ. Freedom from sin based on the Savior, Jesus Christ, who did what? Shed his blood on Calvary's tree. Gave his life for sinful man. Only God would do that. So I want you to look with me and see this morning the cross of victory. The cross of victory. As we think about this Memorial Day and on this Sunday and tomorrow is the holiday, we need to revisit the cross periodically. Come back to the cross and see what it's done in our lives. Every step Jesus took from infancy on, he took towards the cross. Every step, when he first began to toddle, whether it was in with his mom, Jochebed, or I mean his mother, Mary, or who it was, they moved forward one step at a time toward the cross. Every step he took led to the cross. To the cross is where it led him. The scripture says in Isaiah 50 and verse, verse 9 and Luke 9, 51, that he set his face, as those days grew near Jesus, he set his face. In other words, he fixed it. It was firmly established that he would go to Jerusalem. There was no other way. They tried to get him not to, said, no, you don't want to go there. But he knew he had to go because why? He knew what he was sent for. He knew he was sent the ultimate crucifixion to give his life for sin. It was this destiny. It was his destiny, according to Isaiah 53, 12. The mutilating, beating in Pilate's hall has left the Savior wounded and weak. Yet he starts where? Toward the cross, bearing part of the cross. And Simeon comes along and carries the rest of the cross for him because from the beating he was too weak to be able to do so. He's the cross bearer. He wants to bear your difficulties even now. He wants to lift you up even now. As he lifted was lifted up before all men on the cross of Calvary, he wants to carry the load for us. As he bore our sin, he wants to carry the load for you even now in your life. Think about it. About 9 o'clock in the morning, he's on the cross. What's he doing? He's dying. But more than that, what is he doing? He's bearing your sin in his body. Every sin known to man is on the cross that day, taken by Jesus Christ himself, suspended between heaven and earth, mocked by the soldiers with a crown of thorns on his head, while the soldiers gambled at the foot of the cross for his robe. Jesus is dying for your sin. Never forget that. Never forget that. It's a, it's a new, new principle every day that Jesus died for you, gave his life for you. It's something to come to every day. So I want you to see in this passage that God descends on the cross. Look what he says when, they were, when he was on the cross and, and they were passing by and everything was happening. What happened? It, darkness came. Darkness came, says the scripture. Darkness came upon that time. In the third hour when they crucified him, the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews 
two robbers were with him. He counted them on the transgressors, just as Scripture said. They were hurting abuse at him. He said, Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross. Verse 32, So they may see and believe those who were crucified with him were insulting. And then in the sixth hour came darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Darkness falls. Not just on Golgotha. It doesn't fall just on Golgotha, but beyond Israel's border, even into the Roman Empire, it is darkness during that time because the wrath of God is up on the earth. And the wrath of God literally is up on His Son as He bears our sin in His body. Mark 15, verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eliah, Eliah, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God. He was alone on the cross. God turned His back on His Son because He couldn't look up on the sin. Think about it. What sin? Your sin. Freedom comes when you come to Christ. Freedom comes to live the life that He's called you to as you understand that and we know to look at it. Origen and Tertullian, the early church fathers, said this, that there was no eclipse. A lot of liberal theologians will say, well, it was an eclipse that went in. It was no eclipse. It was the darkness that God brought upon the earth at that time without question. Three hours of darkness. God shows up in wrath and it's poured out on the sin bearer. Six hours Jesus felt the agony of our sin. He now experiences the vileness of the cup from which he drank. Remember when he was in the garden and he said, if there be any other cup, remove that from me? There is no other cup. He had to drink of the cup. What is the cup? It's the cross. It's the death. It's the brutality of the cross. He drinks of it. I was doing an interim in a church back in Dallas, and this young man that was leading the music sang this song. I don't know where the world it came from, but he said, and the theme of it was, I, I want to drink from the cup. And as I listened to that, I'm thinking, I don't. I don't want to drink from the cup that Jesus drank from. Do you? Because the cup is a what? It's a cup of death. Jesus, the cup he speaks of in the garden is the cup of death. And he chose to do that in the garden. He submitted himself to the Father. Submitted himself to the Father and said, You're not, my will be done. Your will be done. So he goes to the cross and gives his life there. He now experiences the violence of the cup of which he drank in the garden as he was sweating drops of blood. The Son, listen to this statement, the Son is without communion with the Father for the first time in his life. He's always had communion. He's always had fellowship with the Father. He's always had him there. But now the Father's turned away from him in this moment of agony and distress. Can I give you some good news today for us? In your difficulty, in your heartache, when you have a walk with the Lord and you're committed to Him, and you're, you're sold out to Him, and you're walking where you need to be walking, you're going to have difficulty. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have pain. The Lord is with you. He is omnipresent. He is with you all the time. No matter the struggles you're in, He is with you. He's not going to turn away from Him. See, it's not God that moves, it's us that move. We move away. We turn away. And how do we turn away? When we get out of the Word and not study the Word, read the Word, fellowship with God's people, we're turning away from Him. I want to share this with you. We stop. I'm, I'm, you know I'm heavy on getting you, trying to sit the Lord, get you in the Word. Listen, if you're not in the Word, if you're not walking with the Lord and 
growing in the Word and maturing in the Word, and the Word's not having an impact on your life, you're not growing. You're stagnant. So be in the Word. The Word. In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. What is the Word? It's the Logos. What is the Word? It's Christ. Be in the Word. Be in Him daily. I'm thinking about sometimes when I stop and I'm meditating a moment for about 10 or 15 seconds, I'm trying to decide where I really won't think I need to say what I'm thinking about saying, or if that's an Ed thought or a God thought is a better way to put it. So it's a God thought, and I want to say it. What do I have to say apart from what God is speaking to me and talking to me and walking in the Spirit? If I'm not in the Word, when it comes to church, when it comes to Bible study, if I'm not in the Word and I'm sitting in the room where it's at and I'm not in the Word, what do I have to say? What do I have to offer? The answer? Nothing. Nothing. See, God's not interested. One thing I've discovered over these years of ministry, God is not interested in my opinion. But He's awfully interested in me being interested in His opinion which is right and true, and the Word of God without question. The Son is without communion. Listen carefully. He experiences hell on the cross, darkness, alone, and without comfort. Hell is the forever presence of God's wrath without the presence of His comfort. One of the big things that bug people today, I've heard it said, you know, well, I know, I've heard this said. I'm, maybe you have. Well, I know that I'm, I'm going to go to hell when I die, but boy, well, we want to have one big party. Hmm. No, no party. You know what it's going to be like there? It's going to be just like these six hours on the cross in darkness. It's going to be just like these six hours. Separated from God, no communion, no fellowship. What is, the, what is the catastrophic meaning of hell? It is being separated from eternity from God. No fellowship, nothing in common at all. And it's over and you have no other chance. The forever presence of God's wrath without the presence of His comfort. The last moments of suffering. Look at Mark 35. The scripture says, when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, behold, He's calling for Elijah. One of the Greek text that I was looking at and with a commentator, he said these people are speaking and he called them silly children. Thinking about calling for Elijah. They were mocking him. They were making fun of him that he said that he's calling for Elijah to come and take him from the cross. No, he's not. He can't come down. He knows that. He understands that. The mocking continued. And then when they say they sped upon him, the Greek rendering of that is that it was a continual spitting, constantly over and over again. The mocking continues, is the sour wine given of, of compassion or that life might be sustained for further suffering? I think it's sustained for further suffering. I believe that's why they tried to get him the wine, where they could extend the suffering of the Christ on the cross. Prophecy is given here. Psalm 69 and verse 21. Psalm 60, 69. And verse 21, the scripture says this, reading from verse 20, Reproach has broken my heart, and I am sick, and I look for sympathy, and there was none. 
and for comforters, I, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Psalm 69, 21. That's a prophecy of what's happening on the cross. Every prophecy regarding Christ on the cross and His resurrection, His birth, everything, every one of those has come to pass. There's only one that lacks, and that's His coming. And that's the good news. He's coming again. This Savior who bled and died and gave His life for you on Calvary. If you're saved today, God didn't save you to live your life like you want to live it. He saved you to live your life the way He wants you to live it. He saved you for His glory. A lot of people say, well, Lord God saved me to go to heaven. I beg to differ with that. He did not save you to go to heaven. He saved you that your life in this earth would be a glory to Him. If He had saved you just to go to heaven in His mercy and grace, He should have just taken you on home on that day you met Christ. But He left you here for a reason. He left you here to be a source. He left you here to be a sacrifice for someone else. Not necessarily death, but to give your life for them, to give your life, to minister to them, to encourage them. God's called us to a sacrificial living without question. After the drink, he died, not in a coma, as some liberals say, not swooned, as some liberals say. The Messiah is dead on the cross. Life has left him. Life has left him. He breathed his last. Look what he says. Go to John 19 and verse 30. The scripture says in John 19 and verse 30, Therefore, when Jesus, back up to verse 28, After this Jesus, knowing all things that had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. And therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now listen carefully. I want you to, I want you to learn something here. <clears throat> All through my ministry life, I've heard people say what Jesus died of. He died of the spear in the side. He died of a broken heart. No, he didn't. He died of his own will. He died of his own will. He gave his, he said he gave up his spirit. He could have stayed on the cross. He could have come down from the cross. He could have done anything he wanted to, but he said no. And he gave his life for you and me. Here's the question. What will we give for him? In the days you have left, what will you do? Will you move forward? Will you grow in grace? Will you mature in the faith? Will you come back to the cross on a regular and frequent basis, thanking the Lord for what He's done? It is victory, not defeat. The price for your sin was paid in full. Paid in full. Debt paid through His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. Scripture says in Hebrews 12, 3, For consider him, Christ, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary 
and lose heart. Can I ask you a personal question? Have you lost heart? Have you stepped back from following the Lord as you used to? Or are you pressing on? As Paul said he did in Philippians chapter 3, what did he say? I press on, forgetting that which lies behind me and pressing on to the prize which lies before me. What is that? It's Christ's likeness in total. Paul knows where he's going to spend eternity, amen? He knows where he's going. He's going to be with the Father's side. He's going to be with the Father. He's going to be with the Son in heaven. You have that confidence. You have that hope in your life. I trust that you do. The veil is torn is what takes place. It says when Jesus died and he cried out, it is finished, the veil was rent. What does that mean? It means that now, used to the priest would go in once a year and they'd offer sacrifice for all of Israel. It means now that you have, the, listen, listen carefully. You are a priest in your own right. According to Scripture, you have the right now to step into the Holy of Holies, live in the very throne room in the presence of God. You have the privilege to walk with Him day by day and moment by moment. You don't have to go through someone else. You don't have to come through me. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through anybody. You have the privilege based on your relationship with Christ to step into the Holy of Holies and live there. God called you to live a holy life. Holy life. What's that mean? Hagios, separated unto him. Separated unto him. God, his son, Jesus, was totally given to the Father. And that's what he's looking for for my and your life. It's something we work at. It's something we move forward. Paul said in Philippians 2, work out your own salvation. Work it out. So that's what we're to be about. Jesus, the truth is spoken last thing. Jesus has said unto thy hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46 through 47. Look at the verse in Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what happened, he began praising God and saying, certainly this man was innocent. I've been asked him many times, said, do you think Judas was saved? <laughs> no, I do not. So what he gave back the money, he, he, he didn't, re that wasn't repentance, that was he got caught doing what he was doing. This centurion says, this is Christ, this is God, this, is, this was the God man, this is who this is, and that man right there in that moment, I believe, met Christ as his Savior. You can do the same thing today if you never have. The centurion speaks praising God. He says, truly this man was the Son of God. First time in the book of Mark that Jesus is called the Son of God by man. The centurion, the one who helped sacrifice him, calls him the Son of God. No man had ever done that before. For 1,500, think about this, for 1,500 years, only the priest could enter in to the Holy of Holies inside the veil for 1,500 years. Now the veil is cut, it's rent in two, it's open, and you can walk in for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Boy, uh, you, you need, I mean, somebody needs to get excited about the fact that God saved them, amen? amen. David Kirby, my good friend, 
sitting here. We've been friends now for, I think it's 104 years or something like that. But we played a lot of golf together and drank a lot of coffee together, talked a lot of theology together. He preached here one Sunday for me. And, and the thing, he was driving one day. He moved to Dallas. Mind me telling this? He moved to Dallas, and he had lost his car and his job and, and just lost everything. So he said, Lord, you give me a job, get this back. And he kind of cut a deal with God. If he'd do that, he'd do this, right? So anyway, that happened. All that happened. God gave him a new job, got him a vehicle. So he's out riding around one Sunday morning trying to find a church to go to. And he, I think he walked in a uh, Church of Christ, wasn't it, David or something? He walked in wherever, where it was. What was it? Oh, okay. He, he walked into this church, and boy, he knew right quick that based on what was going on, he was in the wrong spot. And he exited and came down, and he said, I'm just going to go home. So he takes a turn, and sovereignty of God drives down Master's Drive. And on Master's Drive is Victory Baptist Church, where I was pastoring. And he said, he's told, he's told I've heard him tell this a million times, I could not keep from turning in. I wanted to go home, but I could not keep from turning in. Turned in the parking lot, came in, sat down, and on that morning, David Kirby met the Lord Jesus Christ. I was preaching on the cross, preaching on the thief on the cross, and how the thief got saved, just like that. Went to visit David and shared with him that morning. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't come down the aisle. Make it, he just knew he was saved. And he's been walking and seeking to walk with the Lord ever since. Gone through many trials and difficulties. The Lord has sustained him and carried him through that. It's always a joy to look back and see the fruit of the labor. The fruit of the labor. The fruit is not the paycheck. The fruit is changed lives. That's what the difference is. I see many of those people. I had a guy call me here a while back and we were talking and he said, I just got to tell you something. He said, I'll never forget the day you led me to the Lord in Tiffin's restaurant. Name is Jim Pascal. I've been going in and having coffee, just having coffee, visiting, got to know him a little bit, asked him one day, do you go to church? No. Two or three weeks went by, I'm still going in and drinking coffee. I said, Jim, you got a minute? It's not very busy. Can we talk? I said, sure. So he sat down at my table. And about 15 minutes later, Jim Pascal trusted Christ as his Savior. Two nights later, we went to his house, and his wife, Dawn, trusted Christ as her Savior. It's the fruit of the labor. Jesus died on the cross to save you. That Jesus died on the cross to save you. That you might go into the world and share the gospel and see the fruit of your labor. That's why he's called us. May we be busy about the assignment that he's given us. In closing, at the cross grace abounds. Mark 15 verse 39 and when the satyrian, as I've read it before, who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. In the midst of suffering, unparalleled pain, and death of a Savior, sinners were saved. Amen? Sinners were saved. This centurion met the Lord. Two hardened men on a cross, two criminals on a cross, and one of them says to Jesus, Remember me this day. He'd already told his friend to shut up. He said, why are you talking to him? He hadn't done anything wrong. And he says to Jesus, in this day, remember me. And what did Jesus say? Surely this day you will be with me in paradise. You'll be with me in heaven this day. I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. I love what Alistair Begg says about that. He said the man didn't know any theology. He didn't know any scripture. He didn't know anything. And he gets to heaven. 
And the angel greets him and he says, why are you here? I don't know. How did you get here? I don't know. Who are you? I'm a thief. So I can't help you. He went and got the head angel. This is all allegory, okay? And the head angel comes and he said, are you secure in the concept of justification by faith? Never heard of it before. Are you committed to the sovereignty of God? Never heard of it before. Well, how'd you get here? And in that Alistair Begg Scottish brogue, he said, the man in the middle said I could come. The man in the middle said I could come. It wasn't the Baptist said I would come. It wasn't the Methodist that said I could come. It wasn't my teacher that said I could come. It was God Almighty on the cross said I could come. It was Christ that said I could come. I didn't just decide to preach one day. I fought it tooth and nail for nine years. I got tired of fighting. I gave up. I said, okay, Lord, what can you do with a redneck from West Texas? Some would probably say, not much. Well, that's probably true. But all God's asked me to do is the same things he's asked you to do, and that's to do what you can where you are with what you have. That's all he's asked. You have him. If you're saved, you have him. So you can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? It's the same word for you as it was for Paul. Two hardened men, a criminal and a crusty Roman soldier of the guard are born again. With all the sin, evil and mockery of the Lord, Jesus who would think salvation would come in the midst of such a storm, who would think it would come? But it does. Genesis 18.14 says this, is anything too hard for God? answer? No. But do we believe there is victory in Jesus? Know someone that's far away from God? Know someone that's lost without a Savior? Know someone's life who's riddled with sin? Remember, there's victory at the cross. Every day, all day. 724. He's open for business if you're willing to meet the Savior. Memorial Day, the greatest sacrifice ever made for man was not in Europe, not in any theater of battle, on the cross. On the cross. I ask you this question. I ask you this question in grace and in love. Do you know him today? Can you say with certainty today, with certainty, my life ended today. I'd spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that certainly? You say, well, I have time. A lot of people think today in the world in which we live, they're going to live forever. I have some really bad news for you. You're not. 
except if you know him. Then you will live forever in eternity with the creator. No better thought. No better idea. Will you serve him? You know him? Thank him. Remind yourself regularly of the great sacrifice. When you think life is bad, come back to the cross. See it. And all of its hideous sin and ungodliness and evil, see it. And then thank God that the Savior did it for you. Did it for me. For his glory. Father, thank you for life in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of your son. Thank you that he bore my sin in his body. Thank you that he counted me worthy only by his grace, only by his mercy do we stand today. Father, there be one here without Christ. Would you break their heart? Call them to yourself. We not only thank you, Lord, for your victory at the cross, we thank you that you rose again and lived today. And we thank you that one day you'll split the eastern sky and the trumpet of God shall sound and you'll come again. Help us to live in the moment, in the now of your presence and glory. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, you need to come, you come. Be altar to meet you. You need to come. Good to see you this morning. For those of you who are our guests, thank you for coming. 
If we can serve you or encourage you, minister you in any way, please let us know. That's why we're here. We care about people. And uh, we'd encourage you to come again. Remind you, no service tonight. And then Wednesday, back in the saddle. But back in the saddle on Monday, right? Serving, loving, sharing, caring. Wednesday night Bible study. Brother Gary is going to be leading. I'm going to be out for a few days. I have my annual hay baling trip to East Texas. So I'll be leaving tomorrow and be back Friday unless the ox is in the ditch. And if he's in the ditch, then I'll be back Saturday. So we'll see what happens. But so good to see you today. Lord bless you as you go. And uh, if you don't have a church home, you're not going anywhere, uh, regular, we'd love to see you here. We're in the process of regrowing, rebuilding, moving forward for His glory. And we'd love if you want to be a growing, serving saint, come and join with us. And we'll move forward for His glory. Chris, dismiss us in prayer, would you? No, we're going to sing. I forget about his song. He's going to sing. Let's join together singing the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join us with Jesus as we travel this time. For 